When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. And welcome to another episode of Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joshua. Ah, oh, it's lovely to see you, Joe. And it's even more lovely to see you, Ashley, back in, well, the virtual space with us. Hello. <laughs> Hi, I survived. <laughs> Yay, you survived. <laughs> uh, how are you doing? How's your pandemic? <laughs> um, you know, just day 5062 of the Panini. Right. Are you living, laughing, and loving in this pandemic? (laughs) More like screaming, uh, curling up into a ball, and occasionally hysterically laughing out of insanity. Oh, how's your puppy doing? She's doing good. Um, (laughs) Yeah, she she's turned the corner. Back in November was it was a hard time. But we found out that she's going blind. Um, so I just laugh at her trying to Aww. fetch her favorite toys when she can't really see them anymore. She still loves doing it, though. So I think we're, we'll be fine. <laughs> as long as she knows how to get up into the bed, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, she has her little ramp that yeah. uh, if you're on my Instagram, you see her running, struggling up the ramp. <laughs> Yeah, you share a lot of really cute, cute little pics of her. <laughs> Look at she, Joshua. Fun. Your heart is warming to a dog. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's true, Joe. I, you know, um, I, I have a soft spot for the uh, the Wiener, the Wiener Schnitzel dogs. They're so cute, yeah. little dachshunds. Mm-hmm. Tasty too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you. You brought up Wiener Schnitzel, so I'm just, you know, I, I just, I, I took it there. You did. You did take it there, Joe. Good for you. Um, anyways, what's what's been happening this week? Anybody watching <laughs> anything uh, anything good? Oh, goodness. I I am watching, I watched um, films through for the Sundance Film Festival. Um, so last weekend, I did a, like, create your own pass at Sundance and I did a pass of uh, five films. I watched three of them. So I feel like I'm still okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I still use my pass. Um, and I had a, I had a really great time. It was so cool. Um, Sundance is on my list of like things like shared experiences that I want to do. And so being able to do Sundance in this way was really fun. Um, and I just went only on like description alone and I'm, and I wasn't disappointed by the films that I saw. That's awesome. Cool. Did you take in any of the horror offerings? I did. I took in Master with Regina Hall, the our higher ed black horror uh, um, episode. Uh, TJ has to deal with me texting him. I texted him throughout the whole thing. So I was just like, here is like, I was like, here's a scene I think you would love. You need to watch this as the moment it comes out, we're going to do it on Fright School because I think it's there's a lot that can be said. Um, but that was the only horror that I did end up seeing. Um, the other two were comedies. Um, I watched uh, Good Luck to You, Leo Grand with uh, Emma Thompson and the other Regina Hall film at Sundance, uh, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul with, uh, Regina, Hall, with Regina Hall and uh, Sterling K. Brown. 
Yeah. Great it was title. it was a fun time. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was it was about um it was it was part mockumentary, part not uh about a, a disgraced megachurch pastor and his wife, the first lady, um, who are Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall, respectively. And they um, are kind of document, hire a documentary film crew to, to um, uh, help uh, tell the story of their comeback. So like their mega church only has like five, uh, five parishioners <laughs> and it uh, went from like thousands to five. And so now they're, they're trying to figure it out. It was, it was a lot of fun. There are moments where I was like, man, I really need more people to watch this because I want to talk about these specific things that happen. Huh. Well, yeah, so. sounds like it was, you know, it was a good uh, a good use of your funds if you enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it was, it's, it's been, that was probably the, mo- the coolest thing in, that I've watched uh, in the last week. What about everybody else? Yeah. Uh, not much for me. I did start um, that uh, documentary on like the history of folk horror, Joshua, that I sent you. I think it, I had to look up the name again because it's long. Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I started it, kind of put it on in the background while I was doing some work this week. And it's like over three hours long. Um, but then I got like engaged mm. in parts of it. And I was like, oh, I should actually like save this for a time where it's not just is background noise for me. So I'll come back to it and let you know. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Uh, you know, I mean, of course it comes out after we did our whole full core, uh, <laughs> segment or series. Uh, but I'm hoping it'll give me some other ideas, you know, just to kind of continue that as we go along with other full core. Cause there's, uh, there are many films that we left out. I mean, you know, we did a month of, you know, f- mm-hmm. four films. Uh, so of course there are plenty of others to, to discuss. Uh, so I, I am very much looking forward to seeing that documentary and I appreciate that you sent that to me to remind me that it was on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Otherwise I, uh, Joe, I know you know this, but I started watching midnight mass with our like Wednesday night group or whatever. That was kind of watching American horror story for a bit. Um, and that's been a fun watch. That show is bonkers. We haven't finished it yet, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I have been enjoying it. And once I once I finish it, Joe, I, I do think it'd be a good idea to do like an episode on it. Uh. <laughs> um, yeah, I haven't been um, I haven't been able to come uh, the last two weeks, but I've been following along, um, and it's all I want to talk about. Yeah. So we need to ferry, hurry up and finish this because I. It is literally all I want to talk about. I went to a, um, I went to a friend's house last night, and I swear I like talked about it four different times. If only I felt like a Jehovah's Witness for horror. I was going to watch this because, you know, the you know, outside of like the people that we know and the very few horror friends, it's like I don't. Most of my friends are not horror people. I'm I'm such right. the outlier on there, and so I'm like the performances, the writing, the slow burn of it all, Midnight Mass is doing a lot as just like, if you take the horror out of it, it's doing a lot as just a mini series. And so mm-hmm. I want people to watch it because I want them to have this like exquisite experience and they can't get over the fact that like there's a horror element to it. And it's not even more like, I don't know if it's, I, I yes, it is horror, but I feel like if anything, it's more like just dread. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. more, it's more dread than like that kind of like hard and fast horror. It's because you know something's coming. It's a giant like edging. <laughs> feel like you're being emotionally <laughs> edged the entire time. Yeah, totally. You know things are happening. Um. Anyway, I can I could keep going on. This could be a midnight body midnight mass podcast easily. <laughs> well, so maybe we'll do one, and then we'll, 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 yeah. You watched it? Yeah, I saw it kind of like right around the time that it came out, um, and I binged it in like a day or yeah. so. So, yeah, I got. Now that you guys are talking about it, I kind of want to revisit it. I'm sure upon second watch, you gather so much more yeah. about the characters. 
Yeah, well, probably once you realize what's going on, you know, then you know, yeah. that kind of moves quicker. Yeah, we'll put a pin in it and we'll come back when we finish it and uh, maybe, yeah, do a, uh, do a, do a, do just an episode devoted to that jokes. I know you had a lot of interesting ideas about the Catholicism of it all. And um, yeah, so, but I don't want to get too far into that because I think, yeah, that'll make for a good uh, conversation once we, once we finish. <laughs> Try to think what else did I do this week? Um, oh, I went, I saw Bjork last night, Joe. We were talking about that before the show a little bit. That was super fun. Um, you know, in oh. LA, how does how does like a Bjork show go? <laughs> well, I think it depends on what the show is. So, this this tour. Um, is based on her record from 2017 called Utopia, which is sort of this, um, what was, I, I sent it earlier, the, the quote that she had, hold on, because uh, I was trying to explain the show to some of my friends. So um, she called uh, Utopia that this was sort of a um, proposal to deal with nature in a more compassionate way, hopefully starting from a female point of view will help. And she said that after nature is brought to the brink, we would all go to an island to become mutants between plants and birds, break off branches and make them into flutes and start playing. Um, so <laughs> that's kind of what this okay. show was. It was sort of like a sci-fi. Yeah, it was like a sci-fi opera vision of Bjork's like future utopian society where we're, they weren't really birds. They kind of looked a lot like the, so it, they were very moth-like looking in a way, like insects mixed with plants, less than birds, although there were a lot of birds in it because, like, the Utopia album, she sampled a lot of, like, bird sounds and, like, turned them into synthesizers and th synthesizers into, like, bird sounds and, like, flutes. And I don't know, it was just, it's it's such a strange experience. And so bringing that to life on stage was kind of what this was. So, um there, there was a couple like a, a multi-level stage that kind of looked like a mushroom or a couple mushrooms. Like what are those mushrooms that kind of grow out of a tree? You know, they almost look like stairs or something. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's kind of what the stage looked mm -hmm. like. Um, and then it was just, uh, there was like an eight piece flute orchestra, a 25 or 30 piece choir, the tonality choir from LA are, were guesting with her on these shows in LA. And when they go to San Francisco, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was very structured. Like the show, the set list was pretty sad. It's been the same cause it's like presented like a, like a theatrical experience. So it was, it was very, very strange, uh, but beautiful. I, I mean, there's just no way I, I hope they release it as a film so people can just kind of see what it was like. Cause it was just bonkers. <laughs> I mean, you do you, Bjork. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of exactly what it was like. It's like, you do you, Bjork. Like, come, you know, I, sometimes I just want, you know, I just, I just want music. That's fun. And sometimes you want to, you know, talk about a, you know, apocalyptic climate, just <laughs> apocalyptic, uh, a climate catastrophe that turns us into pan flute playing mushroom moths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of exactly it. Sometimes you know, she, you there was exactly a message that. from. Uh, yes. Yeah, sometimes that's that's how she's surviving this uh, time we're living in. Uh, there was a big moment in the in the show with a message from you know Greta Thunberg, like you know doing her you know her talk. Uh, and before the show started, the the choir came out and they like sang her like "How Dare You" speech, uh, which was really neat, uh, along with some other things. So yeah, climate consciousness was on uh, was on the menu. Although there was a woman in the audience who was not having it. Like Greta was, uh, you know, doing the, it was like, you know, the projection, you know, like of this, uh, Bjork referred to it as a manifesto. And there was some woman way up in the balcony that was like, fuck you, Greta. Like she was just yelling and like was very upset and booing. So I don't know theater. why she came to the show at all. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not sure what she was doing there. If she like hates, like, it's just like if you know anything about Bjork, she's very much into like this synthesis of like nature and people and music, and you know, it just it wasn't a surprise that she's kind of been dwelling on these climate issues. And her daughter is about the same age as Greta, and so she's like they're kind of leading the way, and she's really kind of blown away by their activism and. You know, so I don't know. But yeah, this woman was just, boo, fuck you, Greta. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> but otherwise, it was very enjoyable. And we, we had a really, really good time. So oh my God, in the <laughs> I recommend it. If you can go see her, go see her. And if they do a film of it, go see it. The Venn diagram of like Bjork fans and climate deniers. That I, woman. Right? the only person in the center yeah 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 <laughs> i mean there was something else that booed too but i i that was i was like a man maybe it was a man with her maybe they were together like we're going there to stop bjork's mission of <laughs> climate change. well if they were together it's a match made in heaven they bought us <laughs> yeah yeah um, anyway, so, uh, in other news, uh, we can now, I guess, officially say, cause it's out into the public that we are going to be attending the Renegade Film Festival in March in Georgia. It's going to be super fun. And they are going to be showing the film Freaky, which we all thoroughly enjoyed. And we've done episode uh, an episode on that. And, uh, we're very excited to say that we're going to be moderating the Q and A with my, uh, with the writer, Michael J. Kennedy. Uh, yeah, that's super exciting, Joe. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. we've known about this for a while, but now we can. <laughs> Thank you. It's it, yeah, we've known about it for a while. We just wanted to be, you know, in this, we in this the age of the pandemic, you know, with you know Omarosa out here in the streets getting the girls. <laughs> um, we we just wanted to be very intentional, but I'm I'm really happy and really excited. Um, Michael is a delight. I will probably ask him all questions about his dog. <laughs> um, if you follow Michael J. Kennedy on Instagram, you'll understand that Scooby Strode is basically um, the full brunt of the contact uh, of the content. And I, I really hope. Part of me really hopes that Scooby comes, <laughs> just so I can uh, um, love up on that little puppers. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. That's lovely, Joe. Um, to that end as well, uh, you know, we appreciate, as always, everybody who listens to our show and supports us and shares us with their friends. And uh, now is as good a time as any if uh, you uh, want to throw a couple of bones in our uh, tip jar. We'd appreciate it. Uh, we are going to be doing some more concerted fundraising efforts coming up very soon. So, you know, keep an eye on our social media. We have some, we're plotting some kind of cool stuff for this year that we're working on, but uh, we, we could use, we could use a little, uh, a little uh, economic energy as I recently heard <laughs> money uh, referred to, you know, it's um, <laughs> not necessarily, <laughs> you know, it's just energy. Just give us some of your energy in the form of something we could, uh, <laughs> <laughs> support oh our, our 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 pass ideas the hat, metaphorically uh, pass the hat yes um, yeah so <laughs> at um at in in the in church they call it your time talent and treasure so we're asking people for their treasure for you know um this is like the point in the oscars where like the president of the academy comes out and says now more than ever we need stories <laughs> please give us money to build museum um so so again now more than Sarah ever folks, we are expanding sad puppy commercial music <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> for five cents a day you too can support joshua <laughs> and joe um sponsor this wiener dog yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, anyways, the point is, is that yes, we could we could use uh, some uh, some of some funds. So if uh, you know if you enjoy the show and you like what we do, and we have almost two hundred episodes out there for you to enjoy and and spread the spread our uh, cult message, <laughs> the cult of fright school. Uh, you know, we uh, we just appreciate it. if you enjoy it. You know, if you can yeah. 
give us a little con- contribution. We'd appreciate it. We've been very uh, also, lenient on all this late tuition. We really have. Yeah, really think, yeah we we would have gone. <laughs> you know, and not to mention, we also this have our no public uh, merch. Yes. Yeah. So if, if nothing else, if you want like a cool t-shirt, a uh, fried school t-shirt, you could also buy them at Public. I will uh, make sure that link is in our, uh, you know, so that way, you know, at least you get a t-shirt and, uh, you know, you can support us as well. Uh, but again, we, we will have some more concerted fundraising efforts coming up soon uh, with some information about the projects we're working on. But uh, for now, we'll definitely, uh, we'll definitely take your tips in our jar. All right. Anything else for this week before we get into Scream 2? Or Scream 2. I'm looking at the thing 2022. <laughs> Scream 5. Five cream? <laughs> five cream. cream. Yes, as Brennan uh, so gave us, and we, we will thank her forever for that. Thank him forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I do love a good five cream. Um. <laughs> oh yeah. Alright, well we'll take a short break and we'll well, and we'll be right back to talk about Scream 2022. Meanwhile, in New Jersey. So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and oh, the practical effects. <sighs> Um, and also the male gaze. My gaze at the males. hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. All right, welcome back. So today, you know, we have finally come to the actual end of our Scream saga, uh, minus the television series, but, you know, we don't do TV mostly on the show. So, at least for the films, the film, the Scream multi-universe uh, is now, the films uh, have now been finished with Scream 2022, Scream 5, 5 Cream, whatever your choice is. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, American Slasher film. We've got On Direction, Radio Silence, which is made up of Matt Bettinelli-Olpin and Tyler Gillette. Uh, written by James Vanderbilt and Guy Busick. And we've got, uh, again, returning, we got Courtney Cox, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, along with a bevy of new uh, people just waiting to be stabbed to death. Melissa Barrera, Jack Quaid, Jenna Ortega, <laughs> Dylan Mignette, Mikey Matt. And which I was so happy to see Mikey Madison in this. Um, Mason Gooding, Jasmine Savoy Brown, uh, who I also love in Yellow Jackets. Um, uh, Mikey, I, she's in uh, Better Things with uh, Pamela Adlon, which I love mm-hmm. that show. She plays one of her daughters. Uh, anyways, yeah, so we, you know, had a, a field trip, although not together. Unfortunately, we didn't get to all go see it together together, but we did all see it in our disparate ways uh, to see a new Scream film. In On opening the day, theater. right? Oh, my gosh. Joe, uh, yeah, I did see it opening day. Uh, not th- Or I guess Friday. I saw it the Friday it opened, not really like the Thursday night preview, you know, kind of thing that they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Joe... We'll start with you. What did you think of this uh, wrap-up to the Scream film I so mean, far? <laughs> well, I was going to say, I'm like, I think it's, I don't think it's a wrap-up because it's True. pretty obvious they're going to do more. Um, it seemed like it's a, it's a continuation of sorts. If they didn't do any more, it would it'd also be a perfect place to end it, but um, they should at least do two more. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was great. Um, I saw it um i went with jimmy kins to a drive-in movie theater um and it was packed like the drive-in theater for this uh for this movie was packed and the cool thing that i love about um where we go because there's two drive-ins in the county that um the one that we go to it's a lot darker the ambient light is not as much and there aren't a lot of kids that go to this one um so and what was cool is that, you know, in the in the early days of our courtship, we would go to drive-in movies a lot. And 
it was very much like they were no frills. This particular drive-in movie theater had like, you know, a website made on like geocities.com. Like it was just <laughs> not, uh, it, it was just no frills. You can totally tell that like, because of the influx of income from the pandemic that they like spent money to upgrade stuff. They upgraded their concessions. They upgraded their, you know, so that alone was, you know, I, not to talk all about just the drive-in, but that experience was really fun. Plus, you know, James's car has great audio, so it was like it was all around us. Um, he was like, do I need to have watched the other films? And I said, no, this one should pretty much stand alone. And then they found myself at, like, very key moments being like, actually, you need to know this. Actually, you need to know this. Um, and it was it was a lot of fun. So I he'd think never seen any of the other if franchise you loved... films? Oh, yeah, the other franchise films, yeah. So he was like, you need to, you need to, you need to know this about this character, how this character relates. He hadn't seen any of them. He hadn't seen even the first scream. Wow, Joe, you did him dirty. You did him dirty. You know, you could have at least shown him the first one. You know, if nothing else. Yeah, but like you know, I mean, I think this is one of those where, like, if he goes back and watches them then he'll appreciate the experience more and it will reveal to him more. So, you know, I, again, I don't, I don't want to rob him of um, finding out who Cotton is on his own. I um, see. <laughs> That's, uh, well, there you go. That's a character not really dealt with too much in the, in the new one. Uh, Ashley, what did you think of the film after having seen it? Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I think there was just like the perfect balance of fan service and make, you know, trying to carve their own way with a new generation of characters and paying homage to the legacy characters and giving us, you know, a commentary on society right now as they are supposed to do in every film. I think that they did was like, in some ways kind of repetitive of the fourth one, but also still very 2022. For me. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I would agree with that. I really wish I had made time to go see it again. I kept saying to myself like, Oh, you know, find some time in the week to go watch it again. Because I think that, you know, there was a lot of hype around it, obviously. So when I went to see it for the first time, as it was kind of going, I, I, I left feeling kind of mad about it to some degree. Um, I was just a little, I don't know the, like the, Y'all, if you're listening to this show, you know that we're going to spoil the shit out of this. So if you haven't seen the new Scream movie, like, you know, go watch it and come back to this. Spoilers ahead. We're definitely going to spoil it. Um, yes, yes. But I didn't... Um, uh, actually, you know, let me make sure I close my door because um, the Sam Squanch did not come with me to see this. And I don't want to spoil it for him. <laughs> <laughs> well, while you go close, see, close people, that door, uh, my did. roommate, <laughs> my roommate and I went and saw it together. Um, and and she's in the next room, so I'm not spoiling anything for her. But we spent the the week leading up to it watching each of the films each night. So we had Scream Week, um, surmising or coming to a climax oh. in the theater on Friday. It was really nice, uh, and we both have like little Scream graphic tees and when we were at the theater we saw a bunch of people wearing different t-shirts and some people wearing ghost face masks as their protection from you know corona uh, <laughs> but it was it was a really fun theater experience too with all the you could tell that most of the people there were fans from the start yeah that's awesome i saw it at 12 30 uh, <laughs> friday so there was like seven of us, I think, in the theater. It was very sparse. So, uh, which was fine for me because I, I liked that. You know, I could, I had a little lunch and then I went and I saw the movie and it was, it was very, it was perfect. Um, which again, like I said, I was hoping to kind of do it again uh, and actually take, you know, I didn't take any notes or anything while I was there. So, but, you know, I, I love that because we had just watched kind of all the films as well, you know, to, to, to do the episodes for the show uh, that we've done over the past month, you know, our, our dedication to, to the Scream series. So I felt really ready to go into it. And I just kind of felt like there was a lot of hype and that it was so great and, you know, all of this stuff. And I just was kind of disappointed in, 
I, I guess how it all came together, like like the reveal of who the killers were and stuff like that. Even though it's very, mm-hmm. very meta. <laughs> like I, I understand, like kind of why. As it's but supposed to. I, I want to see it again. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just wanted something more, I guess. Uh, but I was really glad I wasn't spoiled because there was a lot of surprising things in it. Uh, you know, the Billy Loomis, like ghost kind of thing was cool. Uh, I, even though I was still kind of like, I also left the theater thinking like, so he's like dating Sydney, but he's like sleeping with some other girl or this happened before. Like how young was he having this baby? I was, was a little confused with some of that, mm-hmm. you know, the logic of that, of like having this, this kid, like when, when exactly did that happen? <laughs> but, um, whatever right you know it's it's a movie <laughs> um joshua you said uh you said a couple episodes ago that there was something that you wish you didn't know because it would have been nice to have been surprised so not necessarily a spoiler but like something that you knew going into like, do you remember what that was? I, I, I have- oh, I do. And, you know, I actually remember it more for, like, how little it actually had to do with anything. So somebody had posted or there was, like, a review or something that in the headline. It was like, you know, how Sydney has changed having had children. And I'm like, Sydney has children in this? Like, what's going on? And then there was, like, one second of her with, like, a stroller. And her children played, like, <laughs> no part in in the movie at all. But, but I thought like going in the way they made that seem like it was going to be some massive plot point that Sydney Prescott has her own girls now or something. And like has a, you know, I guess a teenage, well, no, they couldn't even really be teenagers. Huh? Cause she had, it's with the cop from scream three. That's like her husband Mark, or whatever. Yeah. Um, Mark, you know, so I'm like, well, I guess maybe, yeah, they could have like, you know, teenage girls by now or something that are just not really mentioned in Scream 4. Uh, Like her kids aren't really on the table for her press junket for the book. Uh, I guess if they've been together since 2000, right? So yeah, but that when Scream 3 came out? But that means that she didn't have children in, uh, in for Scream 4, right? Well, no, that's what I'm saying, or they're just never mentioned, or so it's like they waited 20 years to have a baby. I don't know. I, I, I'm not exactly sure. I just thought it would be more of a plot point. And so when it was kind of out there, I was like, well, I would have rather not have known that. Like, it would have been fun to kind of go into it, not knowing that she was like a mother. They made a thing out of it, and then they really had nothing to do with the plot at all. So it didn't matter. Well, I think what I think that purpose of yeah, saying, oh, she has children um... is like when they when the killers are talking about their reveal it's like um you know the stakes are higher anything can happen in a legacy reboot and so it's like oh just because sydney got children doesn't mean that we can't slit her throat um you know just because you a mother doesn't mean we can't kill you i think is what yeah maybe they were going for yeah no i, I mean i, I agree with that it's just the, again the headline show that that she had moved on with her life and was getting her happily ever after. And maybe it was definitely a missed opportunity to use her having children as a a plot driving force. Um, Who knows? Maybe we'll get that in future movies. Yeah, maybe. And again, I mean, she doesn't like, just because she's a mother, like doesn't have to like, again, I'm really, I guess I'm not trying to like say anything about her being a mother is like indicative. Like my thing, my, my whole point of bringing it up was just that it was in there and I was thinking it was going to be a bigger plot point. Like it are, it, are they like breaking into her house and like trying to attack her kids? Is there like some reason that this is like really, really relevant to the story? I would have, I just would have preferred not to have known, but in the end it didn't, it didn't really change. Like they could have never mentioned her yeah. having kids and it not, really have meant anything because it still would have meant something to be like we can kill you Sydney Prescott in this film like we're allowed to do that you know like they still could have like played with that final girl sort of thing you know I mean they kill Alice in mm-hmm. like the first you know five minutes of Friday the 13th part two you know like <laughs> so it, I mean you know like that there's already kind of foundation for killing the final girl um, you know before she's like has a franchise 
Uh, so anyways, it was just one of those things, but in it, it you know, I, I absolutely agree that, yeah, her being a mom obviously adds like a dimension to her character that, yeah, she's moved on that. She feels safe to have children. She feels safe to have a family. She has her happily ever after. She's not, you know, thinking about Woodsboro or going back. Like, absolutely. That adds like a, a dimension to the film that makes it even more tragic, you know, as the events unfold, should she die or should, you know, another legacy character die, which obviously does happen in the film. And that was, that was not, unexpected to me i'm curious what others thought about um the death of of doofy of uh of of, of <laughs> officer dewey uh, i thought he was the one that made the most sense <laughs> yeah he had to die i think in order for sydney to come back yeah because she was very like she was very clear that she's like i'm not coming back anymore um, he had the most kind of um, he had the most pathetic existence out of the original three. <laughs> I know, <laughs> and so therefore his like redemption is he was literally the link between the legacy and the current. Um, I honestly thought that we were mm-hmm. only going to get Sydney as the true final girl. I really thought we were going to get Gail. Um, because it because it just narratively it made sense to me where it's like it's get Gail no longer has yeah Gail no longer has a Dewey and so therefore Gail is has nothing left to lose and can go full and like sacrifice herself so that way she can be with Dewey in the next life and I really I personally it would have oh. been more satisfying if that happened because it also closes the chapter on. Gale and freeze like Courtney Cox from it. So um, I think Sydney should always be the final girl and be that person until, you know, we, she doesn't want to be, but honestly it, it was so interesting to, it would have been more interesting to have Gale be gone. Hmm. Yeah, I give you that narratively. Like, yeah, if they would have, cause it would just free up the franchise then to kind of do whatever it wants. Um, I think Nevis said that she's definitely ready to do another one if if they want. She was very, I watched a few interviews with her that she was very happy awesome. that they honored Wes, you know, in several ways. Uh, not only naming a character after him, but then, you know, they have the whole four West party. And then at the end, it's like four West. Like that made me a little teary. Uh, I will admit I was a little emotional yeah. and seeing that kind of going I remember my first Twitter, to- you know, my first text to you guys after seeing the movie was, why am I emotional right now? And I think it was because they, I think Wes would have yeah. been really proud of, of what they did with this film as the first one without him a part of it. Um, I think that they did a good job yeah. tactfully honoring the legacy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree too. And I also thought because Dylan Minnette's character was um, named Wes, I thought, okay, he's either the first of the new characters to go or he's the killer. Like, wouldn't (laughs) that have been cool to have him be... I mean, like, I mean, yeah, that's like a broad thing. It's like, yeah, he's either the first one to die or he's the killer. Um, I love that we get like a... We love we get like a reverse psycho. You know, we have a male shower. Like, I don't think I've ever seen... I don't think I've, mm-hmm. I've ever seen like a um, the te- the tension of like a guy in the shower uh, potentially getting killed. Um, so mm-hmm. that was interesting uh, to me. Yeah, I made some notes on that too. A few of the kills seem like they kind of like switched the swapped the tropes on the typical like girl death chase scene and the guy's death like gruesomeness so like with Wes him getting that super long drawn out like suspenseful kind of he's very naive and you're like the killer's there the killer's there which you're you find yourself in the other films and in other horror movies similar of the trope to be like yelling at the girl like don't go upstairs or like god she tripped that kind of thing so we're doing that with the guys in this one and then we get you know spoiler of course the like shocking headshot like out of nowhere to kill off the girl very brutally and suddenly which we didn't we haven't seen much of that with female characters so far yeah 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I do think there was a lot of like gender play in this, obviously. I mean, that's kind of the mm-hmm. uh, code, uh, you know, kind of where we're at and uh, sort of playing with those sorts of scenes. We saw that we talked a little bit about that with the Slumber Party Massacre remake. There's a very like, you know, girl gaze sort of conversation happening with like the boys having a pillow fight that uh i mean again it is in some like when you watch like horror depending on who who's watching it you know we've talked about that like that joke of like you know winter boy is going to start wearing like crop tops and like the high you know shorts that they wore in like 80s films like (laughs) you know 80s uh um like you know what i'm talking about like um well we see it a little bit in freddie uh, the um, the second Freddy film, obviously, but that has a whole queer context, so maybe that's not a good example. But anyways, right. <laughs> it's not as if the male form hasn't, <laughs> uh, you know, like, sexualized in a way, but this is a very particular reframing of it, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, thought, I think that's a really good point, Ashley. What were some other deaths that you thought were kind of like that, if you can remember? <laughs> I remember um, the Wes's mom, the sheriff, or whatever. What's her name? Um, Judy. Yeah, Judy. Uh, Deputy, Deputy Hicks. Judy. Yeah, Ju- Judy. Judy. <laughs> now sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, that one was like really shocking because it happened in broad daylight in front of her house, in front of the sheriff's house. And it was like, stab, 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 like drawn out. <laughs> that was great yeah no that yeah yeah that was that was shocking to me and also a little sad because i kind of was getting i was kind of liking judy in this movie uh you don't uh, she's not very sympathetic in scream four you know because she's just propped up to kind of fight with gail Mm -hmm. and uh she's also kind of weird like she's really weird with sydney you know in the stairwell and stuff and you're just like what's happening here like you're kind of a strange character, but I liked her in this. Uh, I, I I liked her mm-hmm. more, I should say, than in than in that film. Uh, so I guess some things to talk about here with like the themes of the film, you know, like toxic fandom. I thought was really. Uh, interesting uh you know because when we think about scream four and it's like you know this girl's murdering her whole family for likes on instagram basically that like who knew how like Mm -hmm. uh, omniscient or uh um uh prescient that would feel prescient that would feel (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so now after we've kind of had like these you know um toxic situations with like the ghostbusters reboot uh with the last Jedi and the whole star Wars thing, which I mean, I can't talk too much about, but I know it gets wrapped up in these same very sexist, very misogynistic conversations that happen. And I'm sure there are countless others we could sit here and list out of, you know, toxic fanboys, uh, you know, deciding what mm-hmm. should and shouldn't be happening in a, in a, in a film that they love that obviously plays up here. You know, the whole thing is about him being mad about the la- the latest stab sequel and he wants to fix it. <laughs> just curious about people's thoughts on that and that being sort of the reveal, uh, which as I've had time to think about it, I'm like, Oh, I get what they're saying. It just, you know, it wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah. It's definitely growing on me. The more that I kind of like look at it and think about how it is a commentary on where we're at right now with toxic fandoms and people feeling like this, um, immunity to, to their opinion that they're, they get, and they get hyped up on things like Reddit and their, you know, the community validates their opinion so that they feel they're untouchable in that. Um, if anybody contradicts them, then they deserve to die <laughs> kind of thing. I think it's definitely where we're at right now. And at first I was unsure if I liked that sort of reveal, but even the girl, um, the, the other killer, I can't, God, I'm so bad with character names. It's my, like my one toxic trait. Um, that she um, says, like, Amber. Reddit hyped me up to make me think that I could do this, and I was deserving to. So, yeah, it's 4chan. grown on me. She's like, 4chan radicalized me. But 
Yeah, yeah. But then, of mm-hmm. course, she was like, all right, well, that's stupid. So it's it's it's, it's, it's kind of muddled a little bit with her character. Kind of very much like Stu. Like, you know, Billy had the motive. Billy had the, you know, like, this is what we're going to do. It's, you know, my mother who, like, went away. It's, you know, it was really his, like, thing to be vengeful about. Uh, and Stu was just kind of there, like, ah, peer pressure. You know, like, I'm just doing it for, you know, t- to be included. <laughs> Um, and also cause like, we know he like, clearly there was some, uh, queer tension there between the two of them. Uh, so this girl is kind of echoing Stu in a way where it's just like, you know, I don't know. I met mm-hmm. this cool guy that was like, let's kill a bunch of people. That sounds fun. And, you know, remake, you know, the remake a stab movie. You know, so she, her, I don't know. It was just kind of weird. Uh, Joe, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was gonna say she, she's related to Stu, right? She's the one who's related to Stu. She's that's her uncle. I think she just lives. No, in no, that her, Randy her bought his house. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's the twins that are um, supposed to be. Where are they? Meeks, Martin, Mason. So Chad and um, oh shoot, what was her name? Mindy. So Chad and Mindy are yeah. Randy's niece. No, niece but one of them's one of them's related to Stu. She just lived in the house. Her parents bought the house, and she was like, "Oh my gosh, this is where it happened." She like talked about being the guy like, that dies the, um, the outside of, of the, the bar was Stu's nephew. Got it. Okay, yeah, someone like someone was related to Stu. Oh, so, is that? Okay. I can't remember <laughs> that part. I thought because that was um, what's that guy's name? Kyle uh, Gallner. Kyle, yeah. I, di- I guess maybe I missed that or didn't pick up on that. He was supposed to be the nephew. Yeah, I think it was like a yeah, one-line throwaway to, to give Stu. meaning to his death. Uh, oh, yeah. yep, there it is. Yeah, um, Vince Schneider is the character is later revealed to be Stu Mocker's nephew. Okay. Well, it would have made more sense, I guess, if she would have been related because they were living in the house, which I actually thought that was kind of cool. It had been sort of that had also been spoiled a little bit just from set photos and stuff like we Mm -hmm. knew that they were at the house and they were filming there. So, you know, we knew that was going to happen. But I like the way that they filmed it. So when they do that pull away shot of where she's at, I thought that was really nice. So if you hadn't been spoiled on that, I don't think. I mean, I definitely, because I already knew the house, I could look at things and go, oh, that's clearly the staircase, and that's the kit, you know, like, it made sense, but I think if you kind of went into it and didn't know that that's where they were at, when they do the pull-away shot, I thought that was a nice moment, you know? That was such a nice moment. Mm-hmm. I um, didn't know that they were in the house. I, you know, I've only seen Scream once, so... So for me, when they did it, I was really effective. And I remember thinking like, oh, I remember getting excited in the car and James looking at me like, what the fuck's going on? Um, but uh, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it, it was, it was a really cool, um, like I was, there was a moment where Mindy, um, was it Mindy? What's the name? Um uh, what's her, uh, yeah, Mindy, where she, she and Amber are downstairs and they're having their little, like, you know, maybe you should go first. Maybe you should Oh, go yeah. First. And then my, and I just kept saying, like, lesbian, lesbian, <laughs> lesbian. Like, I just wanted them to kiss. <laughs> and, uh, oh, Lord. I was like, lesbian. And then when she actually is revealed to, like, be queer, I'm like, ah, I was like, someone got to be queer in this. Um, I like that whole thing where she's like, I'm going to sit out here and make out or whatever, you know, with this girl. And then she just kind of looks at her like, yeah, I don't like this. Is, that was an, a, a really hilarious moment. <laughs> yeah. And the moment that um, um, for both of the twins to have survived, the moment I knew they were going to survive was when they revealed that she was queer. And when the guy didn't, want to have sex with his girlfriend. I was like, oh, so he's going to survive too. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the rules have to still apply. Rules, right? uh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I want to see them come back. I do. I, I like her. I like Jasmine. I like the guy, the actor who played Chad. Um, I can't, what was his name? Mason. Uh, Mason Gooding. 
Yeah, they. I enjoyed them and their kind mm. of relationship. I love seeing Heather Matarazzo pop back up because she had played Dewey's sister in um, Scream 3. Or, I mean, not Dewey's Randy's, sister, yeah. uh, Randy's sister. So that was really cool to see her. Like, I, I didn't know she was going to be there. So that, again, I hadn't read any spoilers. Uh, so when she popped up and, and it was kind of funny. That was a nice moment where she's just like, you look, Yeah. And they just wanted to do it and then just walked away. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's how <laughs> we all feel right now. Like, we all look. Yeah, yeah I love Heather Matarazzo. <laughs> so it was kind of cool seeing her. <laughs> uh, the other, what was I going to say? There was something else I was thinking and it left my brain. Oh, I hate that. Um, oh, no, I guess, you know, uh, any other thoughts, any other stray observations? Um, so again, like this is definitely like, as, as they mentioned, talking about like the legacy sequel and all of that, um, it's interesting because like, it still follows in similar to Star Wars, the force awakens, right. It follows the line of like almost being a, almost being exactly a remake of the original. What I think that was Mm, interesting in terms of like nuance was the fact that like, Yes, a requel, um, as it were, um, with the with the nuance is that having um, Sam, Samantha uh, Carpenter, be the daughter of Billy Loomis, it also calls back to, like, Sydney's mother um, and Maureen Prescott of the whole, like, she fucked a Loomis. You know, both, are, both their mothers fucked a Loomis and it didn't end well for either of, like, it didn't end well for the girls. And so it kind of still kind of keeps that line. I thought that was a really kind of interesting thing. Um, I love a heavy handed, like, you know, Sydney lived on Elm street, Sam oh. Carpenter, <laughs> like, right. The Carpenter mo, Yeah. The Carpenter that was... of it all. I'm like, okay, so we are paying tribute. You know, are we going to get like, are we going to get someone who is like, last name is Hooper? Like, when are we get a, are we going to get a Romero soon? When are we getting our, our, our people in? Um, and then, as, and then, as far as like the fan service thing and talking about like the toxic fandom, I actually really enjoy that. That's where they went with it um, because it's a so like the thing about our world now is that it does seem really believable that this could be um, that this could be where people go instead of like what um, Scream Four was talking about in terms of like just being famous. This was right. more like we mm-hmm. want to be a we are now we now own the we now own the um the stab movies we own it in terms of because we are such staunch fans and they're not they're disrespecting us like it's people owning it's it's that thing that happens when like the people who consume the media make the meaning and so it's like okay well now we're not we're not content with consuming it we want to now be a part of it we want to have more of a say and so they sought to you know basically write it themselves um additionally i feel like this is like a movie that could be about like current drag race fandom like oh <laughs> yes <laughs> because, totally because it's it's like not just um it's not just like horror mo- horror movies, but it's like anything that was once like a fringe genre thing, and now is like prom- like now is going into a um, into either mainstream like Drag Race or like elevated and Oscar worthy like horror is. Um, you you have the fans who are getting you know feel like the they they can take more ownership of it. And then my last thought would be yeah, the whole like thing about like elevated the, horror. The first fans. Oh yeah, absolutely. They're like the entitlement of it. And then like the thing that Tara comes up with, with the, with the elevated horror and she's like the Babadook and like, you know, I still like the Babadook. And loved all those references. Talking about grief and all that <laughs> stuff. I'm just like, exactly. This is so, this is like this is the conversation where like the fans of slashers, um, like the, the the fans of slashers, it's like oh the you know these people who like the the elevated horror just you know are not going to get it. And I think Scream really does 
Um, I think Scream really does. I think we're having like a slasher renaissance almost. Michael Kennedy actually posted on Instagram that um, slashers are kind of on the comeback and like in a way that like kind of unpacks the problematic aspects of the slasher from the last few years. Yeah. And so it's like we're we're mm. back on it's back on the rise, which is fascinating to to think about. I think it started with like Happy Death Day two, and then like reached a peak with Freaky, and now we're here at Scream, and you know it's just it's it's interesting, and yeah, I'm I really want there to be more. I want there to be at least two more, and that's it. No, that's a really good point. I can't believe I totally forgot to like bring that whole plot point up is, you know, because obviously, you know, on this show, we talked a lot about like, what is highbrow? What is lowbrow? Does it really matter? Uh, you know, as long as somebody loves something, as long as a, a, a film is appreciated, that doesn't it matter? Uh, you know, so I, uh, I kind of appreciated bringing that in in that conversation of like, oh no i like the witch or hereditary or you know the babadook you know it's um that's that's horror i i appreciated bringing that kind of conversation in and and uh and again that's something that is kind of not new in horror you know like this idea of elevated horror i mean that goes way back you know when you think about when we're like you know what horror films have been you know recognized by the oscars like that's valid you know like that conversation uh is not new mm-hmm. but it's more I think vehemently discussed now than it has been in the past. And so that was something for Scream to kind of right. to comment on uh in, in that way. Alrighty. Well then the only other thing I wanted to kind of do to wrap up is just to kind of hear what people's uh new order of their of the Scream movies would be. So mine would be obviously the original. I'm always gonna say the original oh. first. So Scream. Then I would say for my list, I'd say Scream, Scream Four, Scream Two, Five Cream, and Three. Although again, <laughs> it could change, but right now that's sort of how I feel. That's my list. What about y'all? How are what where where are you right. putting the uh, new the new one in? <laughs> Neither of us want to go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't want to piss off the fandom. <laughs> I thought you're gonna, we're gonna get killed. Uh, we're gonna get killed. Um, I uh, I would say probably. Um, holy shit. This is really strange. Um, I would say Scream. I would say two, four. God, I'm going to piss people off. I'm going to say two, four, (laughs) one, three. No, no, I'm going to say two, four, five, one, three. (laughs) Hey, you just... You just sprang this on us. You're supposed to give us time to create. No, Joe. No, 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 no. I sprung it on Ashley, but you and I have had this conversation a couple times because I've said a few times, wait, no, let's not do that yet. Let's wait till the final one. Yeah. And then you know me. I need need at least a a moment. um, I need at least a reminder so I can jot it down, scribble it down while we're recording. Um, Okay. So I would say two, four, five, one, three. Okay, excellent. <laughs> Thank you, Joe, for your honesty. Ashley, thoughts? Yeah. Maybe that now that you've had time to work through Joe's breakdown. <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, well, I have to kind of stick with the formula and the rules here because I am a true fan. So you don't fuck with the original. I have to say that that's going to be number one no matter what films come out um, because they wouldn't exist without the original. So, one, two, five, four, three. All right. So, at least we can all agree where three okay. stands. <laughs> even if it is, a, 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 even if it does get a reanalysis in, in, the, in the wake of Weinstein. But, uh, yeah. All right. Well, mm-hmm. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today to, to to do this uh, Thank uh, you chat guys about the, for the having me as film. always. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, we we miss seeing you in person. I miss your face. So hopefully, uh, Fright School will get to do some live stuff this year and actually get to be together in person. I would love to be there. Uh, I'm a number one fan girl. Yeah. Oh, well, we appreciate it. Joe, as always, thank you. Uh, it's, you know, it's always a pleasure. <laughs> and dear listener, again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening and sharing us with the people in your life. And again, one more awkward uh, ask. If you have any spare change you want to toss in our tip jar, you know, it doesn't have to even be that much. It all adds up. So we appreciate anything that you give. And we're very, very excited for what is on the horizon for this year. We have some, uh, we have some weird ideas and we'd like to see them come to fruition. So thank you. And good night. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Good night. Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. listening to the Geekscape Network.